Welcome to the Great Canadian Leadership Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Great Canadian Training and Consulting Company. Thank you for joining us today in our search for what makes a great communicator. I'm your host, Joel Silverstone, and every episode we'll be speaking with leaders and experts on how they were able to use their communication skills to inspire, create trust, collaboration, and influence others all in a respectful manner. How did they do it? What did they do to get better? How did they adapt? Where did they fail? Listeners and viewers, if you are looking to improve your communication skills and take those steps to being the next great leader in business, you're in the right place. Enjoy the podcast. If you're doing business globally, how do you adapt to the different communication styles, the languages, the cultures, and do assumptions get in the way? Well, in this episode, we've got global business leader, Damon Patel, and he's going to be sharing his insights and experiences of how he has understood the nuances of language. Damon also shares his own journey of the assumptions and unconscious biases that he's had to deal with and how he's managed those emotions, which is a constant path, but has led to some great discoveries in building relationships in business. Damon Patel is the president and co-owner of Pantry Shell Food Corporation, which is a family-owned and operated business in Toronto, Canada. Now, previously, he was the chief operating officer at Northern International, and he has led strategic and financial roles at Weston Foods and Raman Haas. Damon has lived and worked in Europe, India, USA, and Canada, and works extensively with partners globally. This is an enlightening episode on adapting, assumptions, and the communication skills needed to build relationships in business. Damon Patel, I am so excited to have the show with you. Uh, we are going to be talking about understanding the nuances of language, and you've got some great examples and great anecdotes as a global business leader, uh, all the experiences that you've had, uh, and your own experiences as yourself uh, in being the, the leader and, and some of the assumptions that have gone through. So let's begin, and let's start with your journey as a global business leader. You're traveling around the world. You're working with all kinds of different cultures and nationalities. Um, you know, what have you seen as what, or what did you learn or discover as some of the nuances of language for you? Hey, Joel, thanks so much. Uh, good to be with you. Uh, and I guess the first part is I've been lucky um, in in life to to have been able to travel the world and be able to see different cultures. Um, and experience things from from a very young age um, mm -hmm. in, in business and 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 I've really been across Asia Europe um, Latin America and have had a chance to over the years understand how to adjust the way I communicate with where I am and and there are subtle differences in how you negotiate um, and even how you greet people and mm. and um, even events at dinners and how you um, conduct yourself in meals uh, very different right. across the different parts of the world and and certainly you know to, to to the question that you asked understanding that in in parts of Asia um, how I communicate um, how I bring myself across to the people who I'm meeting with is very different and has been very different from the way I would conduct myself in say Europe. Um, right. or even in certain parts of Latin America. Right. And and it it took me a while to understand that. In fact, it took me 
sure. quite a few years to figure that out. <laughs> I, I could I could imagine. Um, well, let, let me ask you this. Let's start with the reading um, because that's where it all starts, right? Was you know what did you what have you discovered or what have you learned about that? You know, even simple things that that I've figured out. Um, it sounds trivial, but if you mm-hmm. if you even learn how to say hello in mm-hmm. um, a foreign language in the country that yeah. you're in. Those little steps actually go a long way. They they know that you don't speak anything beyond hello. And they know that you don't really understand anything that they're saying. But that effort that you make to simply say hello in the right language or to say thank you in their language, um, that ability to use a few key phrases, um, yeah. especially when you introduce yourself, really helps break the ice in that meeting, in that conversation. Um, there's also a formality in how you present yourself and, and how you carry yourself in certain parts of the world that doesn't exist in others. Certainly in North America, you can be a lot more casual and you right. can be a lot more relaxed in um, how you dress, in um, the style that you carry yourself with when you're sitting at the table. When I'm in other parts of the world, you tend to be more formal. Right. in how you position yourself at the table for negotiation and how you dress in the negotiation. Um, and that's not to say that you can't relax it as you get to know the other party, yeah. but it's that first meeting where there is a subtle difference. And honestly, Joel, the other part of it is, and we'll talk about this as we get into it, when you bring in um, what you think other people's perceptions are of you as a minority with certain name and so on and so forth, that also causes you to take a slightly different approach to how you present yourself and how you speak when you're in the conversation. Well, this is a great point, and, we, and we'll talk more about the, the assumptions in, in a few minutes. Uh, but let's start with the, the fact that you take you make the effort, is what you said. Making the effort to, to, to say in their language a hello, a thank you, a couple of key phrases. And I think, and I, I think you'll agree with, with me on this, that that's the key to communication is making the other – you're like the host in these situations, and you're trying to make the other person feel comfortable and create some safety. And so that to, to, you're demonstrating that you have already made an effort to understand what is important to them, such as using their language. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, th- th- no one at the table has any um, misunderstanding that I understand their language, and that's right. not it at all. It, there's always a translator. Um, so, you know, for example, I'll have my colleague in, in, uh, in Asia, who would be with me in the meetings, they would be the translator for whatever conversations are occurring. Right. Um, but at least in the very beginning, when, you know, a good example, when you go for a, a formal dinner in some parts of Asia, there's a certain seating arrangement. And even understanding how that works before you get to the meal, um, and not just grabbing a chair, as perhaps you might in certain parts of North America, um, knowing that there is a specified spot where you will be sitting where the president of the company will be sitting, where right. the next person in, in authority will be sitting, and how that works around the table. Even understanding those nuances um, helps you position yourself better for the negotiation because then they feel like you understand um, the hierarchy that exists in, in their culture, in their structure. 
brilliant. It's it's you're creating mutual respect so quickly and and to be conscious about it. You know, you're you're dropping your agenda. <laughs> I've got something to sell, or I, I this is really important. But you know, you are making that effort as to understand what is important to them. And when you show that kind of respect, it it becomes reciprocal, right? And so you're making it easier for yourself. You're setting yourself up for success when you do that. It, it very much, and you know, that's a great point, Joel, because that's the other thing that I've learned over time is for a long time, you certainly because we come from the rich West, um, you can go around the world thinking you've got the best of everything. And you mm-hmm. can go around the world and say, and think that you're lucky that I'm here to do business with you. Um, and, and I've learned over time that if I turn that on its head and actually be grateful for the opportunity mm-hmm. to be seeing someone's factory, and to see how proud they are of what they've built and what they've created in their culture, um, how hard they've worked to build their team to create this organization. If I give them that respect, um, you're able to develop relationships that last decades. And and I've been lucky because um, certainly, as I learned from my father before I inherited the company, um, and I've carried on that tradition, giving that respect to the other side yeah. fosters tremendous relationships that I've been lucky that have lasted 20, 30 years. This is, this is brilliant because this translates not just about the nuances of language and across the world, but this translates to meeting a small business owner, meeting a, meeting a, a CFO, meeting uh, any, meeting someone who works at a, at a, at a company or organization and they're proud of their work and you take the time to be invested in them and say, you know, this is bravo. It's obvious that you're very proud of them. I mean, people love to talk about what they've accomplished. Right. And, and and to the point that you're making, you know, language to me, um, there's certainly what you say, mm-hmm. but when you're communicating around the world, it's also how you present yourself. That's all <laughs> part of the language, right? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people miss that and they assume it's just the words. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons I actually make a point of traveling the world. And, and a lot of people say that, you know, we can get away now without traveling. You can get away now without the face-to-face. And and I actually have missed intensely not being able to have those face-to-face interactions yeah. with my counterparts in other parts of the world. I've always found that um, being there next to the person, they see my body language, yeah. they see how I react to what they're showing me and what they're presenting to me carries enormous weight. Um, it's not just the words, it's not just what I type in email. You have just the you have just exemplified what is communication, which is words are actually just a small part of it. Your tone of voice, your facial expression, your body language says more than what the words say. So it's not what you're saying, but often how you are delivering it, because that's how they are receiving it. Right? They're they're Absolutely. looking at your face. They're looking at your body language first, and then see if the words actually match. <laughs> exactly right, and. and- uh, you know, even when you when you write an email, what I've yeah. found is I've had to work hard on how you structure and write an email mm. to convey some of that missing um, body language, to convey some yeah. of that missing nuance in how you want to present the question or the statement. And and you have to work very hard in in writing the email in a way that helps convey some of that cultural sensitivity. 
Well, this is really good. I was going to ask you another question, but now I'm really curious about, and I think everyone's really curious because email is so difficult and email has no tone. What, you know, what, what is it you're, what is it you think you're putting in there that can add some of that tone to it? Uh, well, so uh, without getting into specifics, but if, right. if there are two parts of the world um, in which um, the style of communication is, is one where you have to provide room for both sides to reach a middle ground, to reach some, some kind of negotiated compromise mm -hmm. versus other parts of the world where you can be a lot more directive and, and a lot more, this is what I want. Right. And it's an either a yes or a no. Um, you have to understand at the beginning who you're working with and who you're communicating and what their style of comfort is or where their mm -hmm. level of comfort is in their style of communication. So, um, when I'm writing an email to uh, colleagues who who are in certain parts of the world where that saving face, if you want to call it, is important, right. then I'm not going to be as directive. I'm not going to be as demanding in saying I must have price X or right. I must have delivery date Y. It's going to be a lot more of saying um, there's a possibility for us to win extra business. There's a possibility for us to gain market share. If we're able to find a way to achieve a price that works for both of us. Um, if it's possible, we're thinking about a level of pricing in this area here. Please let me know your thoughts and how we can get uh, closer to this. If that's, um, you know, capable for, for your side. Um, and you give them the chance of saying, yes, we would like to gain market share with you. Yes, we would like to work with you. Right. Uh, we want to support you as much as we can. We can't necessarily get to where you want to get to, but here's what we can do. And then you find that, that middle ground, and that helps both sides feel like they've won. Yeah. Um, certainly when I'm communicating in, in other parts of the world, it's not so much about who won, who lost. It's just what it is. You're just saying, this is what I want. You're going to say yes or no. Right. This is this is this is really what the the nuance is, and and I guess you know you're sort of if we think of it, you're you're almost like framing it. You're putting a frame around something. That's, you know, I, you just really want the price. <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> all I want is the price. But but you 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 build this whole world around it so that you're actually they actually feel involved, as you say, in the process. Versus you're asking, you're demanding something is how it could come across. Uh, and you put them in a corner, and so instead, no, we're we're sitting side by side and looking at this problem together, or we're sitting right. we're we're sitting together and looking at this. Uh, I think even whether culturally or not culturally, I think that's just a great way to <laughs> to communicate. Period, because it's it's about being collaborative as a leader. You know, thinking about when you want to get something from um, an employee and say, you know, get me this report. You know, if you took a little bit of extra time and said, hey, we bo we both have a mutual purpose. We want to see this project be successful. Um, when do you think you have this report done by so that we could we could show it to the client with it within a week or so? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I can I have numerous examples where um and I've had to learn this the hard way, where because you're tired, because you're overworked, right, you send an email that um demands something and and you find that there's no response. And mm. usually they respond within their next day right um and you wait and you wait and you wait and then you you send another email saying <laughs> did you get my other email yeah what's going on <laughs> what's going on and then you finally end up making a phone call late at night um uh -huh. which is you know their daytime and you 
you speak with the person and they say, oh, you know, we, we had to take your email to the senior people oh. and now we're not quite sure what to do because the way that I presented it was an absolute. And, <laughs> and the poor person on the other side says, I, I can't deal with this. I have to go to my boss and maybe to my boss's boss to see what we do now. Right. And this creates all kinds of consternation inside the other organization. Yeah. Um, and you end up not really succeeding in what you wanted in the first place. The, the key word there was that speaking in absolutes, right? Because when we sometimes when 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 we're speaking in absolutes, it can come across as 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 a threat. Uh, because in negotiation, they call it you know attacking. <laughs> When right. you speak at absolutes, uh, you've yeah. reached you've reached a certain emotional point. Even though that wasn't, you know, it was the opposite. You were, <laughs> it's like midnight. I I need this. <laughs> it's like one more thing before I go to bed, and and you know send it. You know, and in your in your mind, it's like you know, please, this is with all, <laughs> this is all with good wishes and good feeling and goodwill. But but all they read is what's the price? <laughs> yeah, and and you know the other part is. Um, and I've had to dial myself back on this as well. Mm -hmm. Even though I've had relationships with some of these folks that go back 15, 20 years, and you th you know that there's a friendship there, and and you're tempted to write an email as you would to your friends, as you would in a WhatsApp text to your right. group buddies. Right. Um, you have to be really careful. It's still a business relationship. Yeah. And and what you know what. What my counterpart in in that part of the world um, and I talk about over dinner and a couple of beers is very different from me sending an email to his business address email. Mm -hmm. And you make a mistake sometimes of assuming the friendship is there and you become more casual. Right. And you become a little bit less formal in what you write and how you write it. And that's a mistake. Right. Um, I've found that you, you can't uh, assume that because a friendship is there you're allowed to communicate as you would with a colleague who's a friend in your office or, you know, down the street, your neighbor, the formality, um, that, that respect still has to be there because from their side, it's still a business relationship. I, I have a question on that. I'm, and I'm wondering, have you, now that, um, we're sort of more in this virtual world, um, and we're, we're doing a lot of messaging back and forth. Are you finding that people are becoming more casual, that they're becoming less formal in, the, in how they're writing? Are you seeing any difference? I absolutely right. Good. That's a very good point. Um, you know, I receive WhatsApp texts, um, and WeChat texts going into the wee hours in the morning. And, and you, I have noticed that my colleagues on, in, in certainly in Asia, um, have become a lot less formal in what they would write but to be honest um it's still very structured right right they you know you'll i won't get messages with them with lol or smiley faces <laughs> right that stuff doesn't happen right <laughs> right yeah. um so even though they're shorter in what they say than they would in an email yeah. just because the medium doesn't really lend itself to long messages it's still very structured in a way that doesn't necessarily treat me as their friend right um and 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 i've had a hard time also replying to those messages in a way that doesn't become this long text message or or you know whatsapp message right but saying what i need to say in the right way and it's it's actually not easy i find it very difficult and i more often than not i'll i'll reply to them and say um please send me an email and you know and we'll review it with the team and we'll get back to you in the morning 
It's it's for, for yeah you have to be so much more conscious of uh, of what you're going to say. You know, I I was um, working I'm working with someone in, in Europe and I'm coaching them and um, they just joined sort of the, the coaching group and I, I love how they responded to my email, which was thank you for the warm intro. It's like what that is so good. That's classy. I, I <laughs> thank you for the warm intro because I I just say you know. Thanks for your email. Thank you for the note, but thank you for the warm intro. So just a couple of words like that right. absolutely created a smile on my face. Uh, made me feel that this person had actually read what I wrote. Um, right. And so that is, I think that's, it's about, so it's, it's about thinking about what are some nice words or key words that you could say that show your, the formality, but at the same time show that there's a, a warmth that you're trying to, to bring in that, in the correspondence. And I think what you said there is really important. In fact, even this morning, early this morning and late last night, um, an example right here, you know, 500 kilometers down the road where, where I have uh, an issue, a very significant issue that we're dealing with. And, and my vendor uh, sent me a pretty tough email last night um, saying, this is what's going to happen effective immediately. Mm. No lead time, no anything. The individual who owns that company and I are friends. Um, we've had a long relationship and yet he sent me this very tough, um, email, you know, late at night. First thing this morning, I could have done one of two things. I could have responded to him quite tersely. I could have responded to him in like, uh, as the customer. And, and instead I did exactly what your, 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 uh, your mentee in Europe Mm -hmm. did, which I said, you know, you know, dear X, Y, Z, um, Thank you kindly for your email. I nice. trust you are keeping well. Um, not easy days at all. All of this was hard being in COVID. It's even harder getting out of COVID. I understand where you're coming from. Um, let me call you back later on this morning to see what we do about this. And let's see if we can find some middle ground. He sent me an email back right away and said, I sincerely appreciate your email. And I agree. I will work with you to get to where we need to get to. <gasps> so instead of this absolute where he said, it's take it or leave it. Right. Just that little bit of respect and that little bit of taking that deep breath and yeah. just pausing for a second before my instinct was to tap on a really nasty email as the customer. Just take a step back, keep that respect, keep that, that communication possible. Um, and that has allowed me with him to have a conversation later on this morning to say, okay, what do we do about this? I understand where you're coming from, but how do we fix it? And, and Joel, it doesn't matter whether I do that or whether we have issues in, in Asia or in Latin America or Europe. I think that that ability to keep that respect in mm-hmm. the tone of the email just keeps the ability to talk and yes. keeps the ability to, to have the conversation going. I just dropped the microphone. brilliant that is brilliant i mean it's the difference between react or respond right so you're you didn't react which was the emotional like how dare he write this (laughs) and you take it personally and then you go well no maybe there's other things going on in his world and the most important thing that i want out of this no matter what happens i want to keep this relationship alive uh and so to keep the relationship alive i'm going to respond which is i'm going to i said take a deep breath and I'm going to take the high road, and and I'm going to show respect for this person, um, and they did, and they that you lowered their temperature when you wrote that. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Okay, we're gonna, I think that's one of the sorry, key go ahead. Yep, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to take. We're going to take a, a little break. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, we're we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back now and 
and talk about your you're talking earlier about you know the assumptions people have made about you before you even walk into the room or, or turn on that computer uh, we're going to talk about that then we're going to talk about your failure tada story which is also about assumptions from a different a different frame so let's come back after the break and talk about that sounds good thanks joe Hi, I'm Joy Newhold, and we'll be right back to our interview. When I started the Great Canadian Training and Consulting Company in 2002, I never would have imagined that one day we would have a podcast. So first, I want to thank you for listening and share some really exciting information about our organization with you. For years, we have made our live instructor-led software and soft skills training, consulting and coaching services customizable to meet the unique needs of each client and committed ourselves to a high quality of customer service. This combined to make the learning experience better for the participants and the planning process easier for the organizer. We love helping our clients so much, we also develop many additional free resources to help you along the way, and this podcast is just one of them. At greatcanadiantraining.ca, you will find our free monthly webinars, blog articles, and free downloads covering everything from building better dashboards in Excel to navigating difficult conversations and everything in between. So make sure to join us at greatcanadiantraining.ca. But for now, I better let you get back to the podcast. Please enjoy the rest of the interview. Let's talk now about your own personal journey uh, of the assumptions that people see, uh, and you, you're spelling your name, you know, DeMont, D-H-I-M-A-N-T, uh, DeMont Patel, but it's really the month? The month. The month. The month. And, yeah. the month. And, and already, like you say, people make assumptions before you've walked into the room, before you've opened, turned on the computer, before you've traveled around the world. Um, and this is something you, you, I guess you have been dealing with forever. Absolutely. Um, right from grade school, um, certainly with a name like mine, which is difficult to pronounce mm -hmm. and, and difficult for people even to phonetically get their mouth around. Um, and, and you can imagine in a business context, you know, people talk about that first two seconds of introduction. Right. You have to capture the attention of the person you're speaking with. Um, and if, if at the very beginning you introduce yourself with a name like Demont and they look at you, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. You can see the glazing over their eyes saying, I have no idea how to relate to you. I have no idea how to even say your name. Right. And I don't have time to ask you how to say it. I don't have time to repeat it 10 times over. So from a very young age, um, you know, I've had to understand that my name is complicated but it took me a long time to reach a level of comfort where the insecurity that i tied to that um well i was able to deal with that and and part of that for me was just coming up with a simpler way to say my name right but when people don't have a chance to hear you say it in a simplified way so i use demont mm -hmm. as a simplified way of saying my name um, but when people first see that name in an email or a meeting request, or they know I'm coming over to see them in Asia or Latin America, whatever it might be. I've internalized that they have a perception of who I am. I've internalized that because of that name, they're going to assume certain things about me. Now, whether that actually is true of that individual or not is separate. Mm -hmm. I personally feel that. Right. And it's taken me a long time to reach a level of comfort with not allowing that to then cause me to think less of myself 
mm-hmm. in the opening parts of a conversation, in the opening parts of a meeting, right? There's an insecurity that you get because of that. And you, you build up around yourself um, ways to cope with that and ways to try and overcome that or what you think is overcoming that. So, for example, um, for me, I would always overdress for a meeting so that when I walked into it, um, I would present myself as someone extremely polished mm-hmm. and well manicured, for lack of a, a better word, sure. um, so that the visual perception that someone has when they see me, I would think helps them overcome what I think is their perception of who I am. Right. This is so interesting because you're already telling yourself a story. Before you, they're telling themselves a story before you walk in the room and you're – you're writing a whole script yes. out. You're not just telling yourself a story. You're writing the whole movie out. <laughs> Absolutely. How it's going to play. So how? So this is good because w- whether it be our name or our background or you know or whatever it might be, or I shouldn't be here. You know, for leaders, it's always I. I, I hope people don't know that I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, how, how have you found your peace with this? I think a couple of things, and mm-hmm. and you get to the point where you say, I'm going to be unapologetic for that part of me, and you just reach a level of comfort of saying, that's just the way I am, and that's mm-hmm. good. So I'll give you a great example, even okay. for our conversation today. Yeah. Um, I had to decide how to dress mm-hmm. and how to look for the podcast. Right. You know, Do I want people, when they first see me, after they've seen the name and the bio, right. am I going to be showing up in a nice double-cuffed? shirt with nice cufflinks or am I just going to be casual with a jacket and a t-shirt right and 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 even that conversation internally still occurs sure but I allow it to occur and I and I allow it to happen and I allow it to not consume me in how I plan for the rest of my day I just say okay whatever you feel good with go with it and and off you go you you have to get to the point um I think a little bit of it is also You've had enough business success right. that um, your confidence level gets to the point where you are able to let that part of you speak as opposed to letting your name dictate or your last name dictate um, or the part of the world that you're from dictate who you think other people think you are. Right. This is this is really good. It's number one, it's your self-awareness which is, okay, this is the conversation I'm having. So you're not ignoring it. You're going, okay, I'm still having this conversation, but that's okay. It's okay. (laughs) And you let it happen. You let it happen. Um, In in my early days, um, it actually did frame even how I would start meetings. And Mm -hmm. it even even caused me to um, frame how I would speak and and how I would present myself to people. you know, with age, with wisdom, with some success, I don't need to do that as much. And you allow yourself to say, my name is my name. I get that people are going to have a perception of who that person is. Right. When I walk in and the moment I start speaking, I'm not what they think. They may have a perception that I'm from, that I'm from a certain part of the world, that perhaps I have a certain way of speaking, uh, an accent perhaps. Um, and then when you start speaking and they realize, oh, hang on, that's not who I thought it was. And then he just let it go from there. Right. You're you're letting you're letting yourself come through, 
um, where before you might have been maybe hiding by maybe being maybe a bit aggressive or trying to sound really smart. <laughs> and these are Which all is very things, hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> but the, these are all the things we, we all do as human beings is we are trying to hide something or, or you know, hide, hide what we feel is, is maybe a perception about us. And so we right. can come across maybe as aggressive or, or trying to sound really smart or we talk a lot or we fill up the air. Uh, when in fact it's um, you know as you said, you 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 realize what can I be confident about? I can be confident that right. I do have a lot of you know business success, business experience. I have something to say. Whatever their perception of me is, that's that's fine. It's fine. I can't control that. Right, and you you, it, it, but it takes time. It, it's not yeah. easy to, and I imagine there are people who have even more complicated names than I do who probably face the same thing. And I know a lot of um, folks from my part of the world um, have taken um, short form names or, or even Western names um, as their, their business introduction. Um, right. And I can, I'll give you a great example. Um, when I was doing my MBA, um, you know, one of the professors in one of the early classes, as we were going through said, do you have a nickname? Mm. <laughs> and and I was still insecure enough at the time that I, I came up with one. And I don't know why I came up with it, but I called myself Dante. Okay. Out of nowhere. And and so for the MBA, yeah. that name stuck. And and to this day, all my colleagues and friends from my MBA days know me as that. And I think back to those days, and, and I wish I'd had the confidence at the time to be able to say to the professor, no, my name is my name. Yeah. And and I don't mind if you mispronounce it, but this is my name. Um and it takes time for you to reach that level of comfort to have the confidence in in overcoming some insecurities that come with the cultural biases that you think other people have of you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing this. This is this is really this is really helpful to a lot of people, whether it be, you know, their name or just I don't feel like I belong at this table. I don't feel like I belong here for whatever reason. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge. And go, well, well, well hang on. Why are you here? <laughs> you're here for a reason. So have the confidence that you, you, you've gotten where you're at for a reason. And have the confidence to, whether it be your name or your experience or your title, to, to not you know, d d diminish it, distill it, dilute it. <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, th I think a lot of people, um, well, certainly for myself, um, for a very long time, you, you had that insecurity and, and, that, and, and you're absolutely right. Early in my career, I was promoted um, fairly rapidly at a fairly young age. And without question, Joel, there are times when you would walk into a room um, with senior parts of the organization and you're the youngest guy in the room. Mm by a long stretch yeah. and you do have that feeling do i belong here um what are they all thinking of this young guy who just walked in the room what is that person who's been here for 25 years and has reached this level and i've been here for five years and i'm at the same level right. think of me and and allowing and there's two ways you can approach that you can be extremely arrogant right and and say look how great i am yeah I'm in this room and you've been here 20 years and look where I am. Yeah. And I just did five. You can yeah. do it that way. Right. Um, 
which I did do, and I'm not going to deny it. I did do for a while. Had to learn from that. Okay. Um, whereas the other approach you can take is, you know, I'm lucky to be here. Hmm. I'm actually grateful to be in this room, to be, to have the ability to even converse with some of these people who've had so many more years of experience than I have. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that I'm able to learn from these folks. And what little I have learned, I'll pass on. But I think I have a lot more that I can gain from these folks. And I think if you approach um, even a business context where you have a meeting, um, not to be afraid for why you're there, but to approach it from the perspective of saying, wow, I'm really happy to be here. I'm really grateful to be here. And I'm going to see what I can do to present myself not as someone who deserves to be here or who has the right to be here, but as someone who's just grateful to be in this opportunity to be around some really smart people and hear what they have to say. Such a great perspective to be grateful for where you're at versus questioning or, or you know, or as you said, be arrogant about it, uh, that gratefulness. Right. And, and, and as you know, right, the, the best leaders are the ones who have that humility about them and will talk, will treat everybody that they speak to uh, as, 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 as an equal and, and be curious about that person and say, you know, I, tell me what, what you think or what's your perspective, right? There's that humility versus I got here, I got my, you know, I, <laughs> I deserve to be here. Um, let's switch gears here now, if you're ready. We're going to go now to our segment that we like to call Failure. Ta-da! And so this is the moment uh, where we're going to talk about a, a learning point for you in, in your career or in your life or in business where maybe it didn't go quite as planned. Uh, it was a failure, but we're going to celebrate it because you, you grew from that and you learned from that. So are you ready to, to go for it? Yeah, yeah, I got a few. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's choose let's choose one if you're ready. If you got if you got something that that rings a bell for a failure, ta-da moment, and you can say ta-da at the end if you want. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I, I'll I'll build on what we what I just and what we just talked about okay. that arrogance. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was younger, um, it, again, I'd I'd been moved up the ranks, um, perhaps too quickly. Okay. Um. And um, I was given a position, I think I just turned 30 at the time, Joel, maybe not even 30. And I was being flown around Europe in business class. Um, I was heading up teams um, of people who had been in the company for 15, 20 years. And, and freshly out of MBA, only a couple of years. And you think you know everything. And you really, you're trained, part of, part of the MBA process is you're, you're trained to think that you have all the answers right and you walk out with an arrogance and you walk into meetings with an arrogance and because you're trying to prove that you have a right to be in that role that you have a right to have that title mm. um, you start assuming or making um, calculated assumptions about how a meeting is going to go how about how you're going to conduct yourself in a meeting right um, and how you're going to negotiate so what what happened was we had um, the company that I was with at the time we had patented technology our customer um, in a certain part of Europe was using it and was doing very well with it but we were the only choice that they had and I knew that nice <laughs> and um, we needed to take some pricing mm -hmm. and 
I assumed that um, walking into the negotiation, I had thought, and I naive and arrogant, that the style of communication with this part of the world was a certain way, a certain being very direct and being very blunt. And we walked into the meeting. Um, we had the senior people of, of um, this organization there, including the owner, people who are much older than I am. Um, and the meeting started. There was very little niceties that I allowed. And I pretty much jumped into, we're here because this is what I want, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how it's going to be. Right. There's really not much of a choice. Knowing that I had the patent in our company, knowing that they had no choices. And I presented as done deal, categorical. And around the table, um, including um, my colleague who was translating for me, you know, everyone sort of looked at me for a moment. Oh. And the the other party stood up and actually left. Ah. They walked out of the room and I, I was sort of bewildered, you know, looking at my colleague yeah. and, and, you know, my, my colleague was just very subtly shaking his head and, um, and said, that's, what are you doing? That's not how we do things. You know, that's not, you have to, even though we have all the power, um, it, it just, you've just insulted them hugely because you've, you're not allowed for any part of how negotiation should occur. And, and again, I had this bias mm-hmm. of, I know how this part of the world communicates. I know exactly how to present this and they will appreciate it that I'm just being direct and forthright. And in fact, it was the exact opposite. Right. I had to claw back. So in fact, what I probably could have gotten had I done it right, um, I had to go for less because oh. when we finally smoothed things over, um, I was able to talk to the owner and they came back into the meeting room. Um, I had to walk back and I had to apologize. I had to make concessions. And, and that was when I realized um, I can't have biases. I can't walk into conversations assuming I know exactly how the other person wants me to communicate. Right. Well, that's, you know, th- this this really brings full full circle to speaking about the nuances of language and the effort that one should make and not not assume and not write the script before you you go in and uh, yeah. maybe not take the movie Wall Street with Michael Douglas too literally <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, thank you for sharing that. I think that's something we we can all relate to that we have. Uh, made assumptions and and maybe gone into more of, a, of an attack or speaking in absolutes, thinking that that's that's the way to do it. When in fact we're not really reading the room. Um, no, not at all. Not even taking the time to read the room uh, before and not putting the effort into it. Uh, this has been so lovely. Thank you for for ta-da, ta-da. <laughs> thank you for sharing that the month. And I just want to say thank you for your time today. This has been such a, an insightful episode on the nuances of language. Uh, before we leave, uh, if people want to connect or learn more or reach out to you, what is the best way, Demont Patel, for people to reach out to you? Um, I think uh, my LinkedIn um, site, I'm there, Demont Patel. Um, the other option is, of course, you can email me if you need to have personal conversations about some of the stuff that we talked about, you know, about culture and language and your personal way you present yourself. Um, I'm happy to have uh, an email, Joel, if that works. Sure. 
yeah, so it's it's demontkpatel at gmail.com. Lovely. I, I appreciate that. Again, thank you for your time, and thank you for sharing all of these uh, anecdotes about the nuances of language. I think this has been really, really helpful to all of us on how to communicate better and not react, but uh, respond. It's been great being here, Joel. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. And now it's time for the three stars, no trois étoiles. These are the three takeaways from today's episode that you can start to put into practice. Number one, it's not just your words. How do you present yourself? Your body language, your facial expression, your tone of voice. When communicating with others, they are looking at those signals to see that that actually matches the words you're using. Number two, mutual respect. Put the effort to be prepared. Who are you going to be speaking with? Emailing. If you're asking for the price, for example, does it need to be direct or does it need to feel collaborative? Learn a few words of the other's language, a hello, a thank you, maybe even a bit about their organization or their culture. That effort shows respect and that effort will be reciprocated. Number three, stop writing the script. Assumptions about others and yourself. So before you meet that other person, what are you assuming? And the same goes about yourself. What perception or what story are you telling yourself about how others perceive you? So, what's the next step? Well, if you're not sure where you can apply these three stars in business or maybe even in life, try this in the next few days. Respond. Don't react. If you get that email or someone says something that causes an emotional trigger, take a breath. Don't hit send. Your first reaction is always going to be emotional. So allow that emotion to subside and then be logical in how you want to respond. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us in our search for what makes a great communicator. If you enjoyed the show, then please leave a rating or review. Even better, subscribe to the Great Canadian Leadership Podcast and make sure you don't miss another episode. Let's stay connected. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at GCT underscore CompUEs. And if you'd like more information, free resources or class schedules on everything from software to soft skills training, consulting or coaching, then go on over to greatcanadiantraining.ca. Thank you and we will see you next episode.